Good morning, you all. Now, I know we're north of the Mason-Dixon line, but it's so much of warm, warmer of a greeting. Us northerners could learn a few things here. Um, I hope you brought your walking shoes this morning because uh, we're going to follow the Lord around and uh, it's going to be quite a trek so um, we need him every day isn't that true? Amen. More and more especially as we see the day approaching and um, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 we'll begin our, our trek Matthew chapter 4 verses 23 through 25 and Matthew 4:23 says and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went, out, went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. The title of the message this morning is The Healing Touch of Jesus. And uh, before we begin, let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful, Lord, for this opportunity to be here. We're just uh, so, uh, so uh, awed by uh, your glory and your holiness and your mercy toward us. And, and Lord, we uh, just pray that this morning uh, we would be challenged by what the Lord does here in his early ministry and uh, the things that happen and the application that we can make to our lives as a result. Father, uh, uh, we just commit uh, this time to you and ask that you would anoint it uh, to our benefit and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you notice here in this passage how many times this word all appears? He went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went, out, went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. Now, beyond Jordan means east of the Jordan River, which is actually leaving the, that area and going over to where the half-tribes were. Um, and that's where um, centuries before, uh, Joshua led the children of Israel in the opposite direction, heading west. So this is quite an expansive ministry. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I focus kind of on the individual healings that he did and like the woman that had the issue of blood that snuck up behind him and touched the hem of his garment and um, and uh, but these passages we're going to be delving into this morning show the massive ministry that this was and the masses of people that followed him um, 
Now, Jesus had just called his first apostles, uh, first four apostles, Peter and his brother Andrew, also James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And he began this ministry, as we see, by healing a multitude of people. Now, uh, let's move ahead to Matthew chapter 8, if you would. The healing touch of Jesus, and it's so magnificent and has, and has been so powerful on our behalf. Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus had an infinite capacity to absorb all of that in himself without any harm, obviously. Now, people in the world today get all excited about the French physician Nostradamus and uh, his prophecies, which uh, came about around 600 years ago. He lived about 600 years ago. Isaiah lived 2,600 years ago and was a pro true prophet of God. And uh, I just pray, praise God for him. What a tremendous prophecy he wrote as the Holy Spirit guided him. Now, um, if you'll move ahead once more to Matthew chapter 11. We'll just keep inching our way forward. Matthew chapter 11. And verses 1 through 6. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison, just as this is John the Baptist, about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And we're going to run into a lot of those people here on this trip. The, the people of this world have always and still do hate him. They want nothing to do with him. They want to live in their sin. And what a sad, sad situation. And the Lord knows that it's even worse today than it was then. Um, now, in verse 5, he says, The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. When he says poor, he's not talking about materially poor. Anyone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ is classified then and now as being poor. And uh, I remember those days well in my own life. Now, he's going to run into some opposition. It's been clear sailing so far, but now it's time for some opposition. And we're going to uh, experience some of those people that were offended by him. They are the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day. They stood on the street corners in their priestly garb, uh, looking all pious and holy, and uh, wanting attention, wanting to be seen as the holy people. 
of, of the area, above all the others. They were the religious elite, or so they thought. They wore the phylacteries tied to their wrist, a little box with all these prayers in them that were written and stuffed in there for all the people to see, and uh, said prayers so that everyone could hear how righteous and pious they were. Now, verse 9 of Matthew 11, or of Matthew 12, rather, if you'll move there to Matthew chapter 12. Verse 9, it says, Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a, had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they were trying to trip him up. It says that they might accuse him. Because they had heard of him, they knew he was coming to their area, and, um, and they were in, accustomed to being the so-called big shots in the holy arena around that area. And here comes this man doing far more than they ever could have done and speaking truth, which was uh, quite devoid uh, in their nature. So he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? Verse 11, Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Just imagine their ignorance, thinking they were going to be able to catch him up. I mean, the God of the universe, who knew this day was coming from eternity past, and these people think they're going to catch him up. So he says, of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Verse 12. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees were really happy about this, and they loved it, and they flocked to him. Is that what it says? Huh? Oh, wait a minute. I've got the wrong page here. <laughs> um, uh, so he stretched out his hand and was restored just like the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Matthew, back in Matthew chapter 11, 6, it, we, we, we read, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And they are offended. So it didn't take long, did it, for that to start to happen. And um, verse 14, The Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all. You know, this happened frequently, and you would think after a while they'd catch on that, that uh, he knows everything. And uh, there's nothing you're going to be able to, uh, you, no way you're going to be able to pull the wool out from under him, but, or pull the wool over his eyes. But uh, they, they, were, they just uh, were ignorant of it all. So um, on he went. His, it, it wasn't time yet. He always slipped away from them. Uh, it was a few years, it would be a few years before his crucifixion, and the timing would be exactly as God had ordained, and they were not going to be able to influence that or do anything about it. 
Now, this was an individual situation. In the beginning, we saw these masses of people, these multitudes. But now, this was an individual situation with this man with the withered arm. And we're going to look at another one, a leper. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Move ahead to Mark chapter 1. And verse 40. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him. Now, that word imploring uh, means earnestly pleading. Your Bible may say beseeching, beseeching him. Earnestly pleading. Kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now this imploring, this word imploring means he was desperate. If any of you know anything about leprosy, and I'm sure you all do, that was the most dreaded disease of the day. I mean, equivalent easily to cancer today. Maybe even worse. If you had leprosy, eventually digits would, would rot off. Your fingers would rot off. Even, even part of your, their arms would rot off. And um, uh, they were considered unclean. And if they came into an area where there were no lepers, and they would have to avoid the people. And they, as they came, they would say, unclean, unclean. And that's a picture, really, of the sinfulness of man, as we're going to see as we go along here. Um, so in verse 41, Jesus was moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Now Jesus spoke to the man with the withered, hand, withered arm. There's no, nothing in the text that says he touched him, but he touches the leper, the most, one of the, the most contagious diseases ever, and he touched him. Was Jesus going to be affected? I mean, it was highly contagious. If anyone else touched him, they would probably contract it. So t Jesus touched him. And... Um, and as soon as he had spoken, he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. This man had faith, as did all those that Jesus healed. And faith is an, a vital ingredient in uh, everything he did in the way of his encounter with, with men and women who were in peril because of, of some kind of infirmity. Now, his crucifixion would come. The question we need to ask is, would this be the end of his healing ministry? Because that's what a lot of people claim today. Uh, and a lot of people are, are, that, that are conducting physical uh, uh, healings, supposedly, are, are, have really missed the whole issue here of his healing power. So is his healing, did his healing ministry come to an end at his crucifixion? Not a chance. Not at all. Not on your life. For his payment for our sin debt on the cross and his resurrection from the dead would open the door for him to heal a fatal disease among those who come to him having the same faith that that leper had. It's a disease that caused all the afflictions that we have witnessed so far this morning. 
what is that disease and what is its cause? Uh, turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. John 5, 1 says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Can you imagine? 38 years he was in this condition. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had been in that condition a long time, he knows everything, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. What an, can you imagine being there? I mean, not only this, but at Lazarus's tomb when Jesus raised him from the dead. Can you imagine? just awesome. And yet all these detractors that hated him popped up everywhere. Now let's skip to verse 14. Afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made, made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Did you catch that? Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. In other words, Jesus is indicating that the affirmity that he had was caused by sin. And uh, Jesus is indicating uh, that, that it was caused by sin. Now, um, he also, because he says, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you, indicates even further that it was caused by sin. These things are caused by sin because he says if you continue sinning, he's indicating if you continue sinning, you're going to have a worse condition. If you don't, you won't. So um, uh, this is the factor that, is, that has come to our attention now and, and the, the source of all of these issues that these people and, and we have, had, have from time to time. Now, our original parents, Adam and Eve, were Adam and Eve, and all of their offspring were to live forever. No sickness, no death. But Adam sinned in the garden. So what were the consequences of his actions? Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us, For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we have all inherited Adam's sin nature, all of us, no exceptions. 
Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't measure up to God's standard. Can Jesus heal this condition? Or is his healing ministry over with? Before being crucified, his back was torn to ribbons by the lashes he received. So how does this benefit us? Isaiah records it this way in Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our, uh, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He bore the punishment that we deserved, the innocent dying for the guilty. And it's a free gift to us. Free to us, but costly to him. Now Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whether you're a believer who has stumbled off the path or one who has never called upon the Lord to be saved, he is willing. You can be certain of that. All of the people that we've read about that Jesus healed during his earthly ministry had three things in common. They knew they were sick. They were desperate to be healed. They believed that Jesus could heal them. So what about you? Are you aware that you have this condition? Are you desperate to be healed? And do you believe that Jesus can heal you? The leopard believed. The leper believed, didn't he? Hebrews 11.6 speaks to that faith that the leper had. It says there, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Picture that leper and you'll get a picture of that diligence. Now, in contrast to this faith that is required, Jesus, speaking of a faithless people, Jesus said this in Matthew 13, 15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. And again, while in Nazareth, having encountered many who were offended at him, the scripture says in Matthew 13, 58, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So the simple faith of that leper is all we need and what, and what we must have. Now let's continue to look at this issue that plagues us all that we inherited from Adam as we turn to Matthew chapter 9 with me Matthew chapter 9 verses 1 through 8 and remember sin is the primary issue of it all Matthew chapter 9 so he got into a boat 
crossed over, and came to his own city. Then, behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Now the faith was present here because not only was the paralytic desperate to be healed, but the men that carried him on the bed, knowing his condition, knew who to take him to and knew who, knew who could do the job. So he said, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 3, and at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. They're offended at him. Verse 4, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? Now, if I walked down here to Pastor Ken, and he was in a wheelchair or otherwise disabled for the moment, and if I were to say to him, arise and walk, how much authority do you think that would, that would have in that situation? But, but if he had done something that uh, offended me in some way, and he said, gee, Jim, I'm sorry about that, I could certainly say, I forgive you. That's easy, isn't it? That would be easy. So which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? Of course, obviously, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 6, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. They marveled at what they had witnessed here. So here's the question, are you forgiven? Have you ever accepted what Jesus has done for you? Here's the bottom line. If we are desperate to have our condition healed, Jesus is willing. John 14, 18, in John 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He is willing. But are you? Or has your heart grown dull? The moment you realize that the world can't help you, you'll cry out to the one who can. Jesus said, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for those believers who may have lost their way and are struggling, that they would seek the healing touch of Jesus to restore them. And for those who have never known you and whose lives are broken, I ask that you would help them to believe in the healing power of your dear Son, who alone is able to deliver them from the bondage of sin and set them on the path to victory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.